As promised, we're going to have a podcast about David Lee Roth and Sammy Hagar, their work with Van Halen as well as their solo work. Also in sports, we're going to talk about the running of the Bulls. Thank you for joining us again here at Rocks and Dirt. This time, we're talking about the guys who used to sing with Van Halen. I've got Steve on the phone. He's going to join me and, and uh, help me keep this thing hey, moving. Yeah. there, Steve? One foot on the brake and one on the All gas. right, this is real. <laughs> That's a Sammy yeah. Hagar reference. One foot on the brake and one on the gas. What is that? That is... Yeah, yeah, I that's can't a drive. Song, man. That's, 55. It's about three octaves. <laughs> so we're going to start with uh, Sammy Hagar. Sammy Hagar had an incredible career going on. I would say by, mm, well, I can't drive 55 is 1984, which is, is yeah. about right. And uh, yeah, but I can go back farther than that. Is that right? Way farther than that. Okay. The Montrose album. You heard of Montrose? Oh yeah, Montrose. Yeah. He, he did two albums with the band Montrose. Montrose with the the guitarist Ronnie Montrose and the one from 1973 it was his first album with a band with any band and uh, he's a singer and he, he co-wrote the songs and it's they were like the American Led Zeppelin I mean it didn't really do anything at the time of course it sold a lot since then right. but it still sounds great it was produced by Ted Templeman who produced Van Halen four or five years later Ted Templeman we hear a lot about Ted Templeman these days you just read his book he has a lot to do with both Sammy Hagar and Van Halen oh. but that that first uh, Montrose album from 1973 it's got this big Led Zeppelin rock sound oh, it's see. got classics like Bad Motor Scooter which is one of the first songs that Sammy Hagar even wrote Bad and Motor I, Scooter I heard him do that solo yeah Space Station number five and probably the most famous one rock candy which is a rock classic mike harper was saying earlier we talked to him before the podcast and he was saying well there's probably only one song uh, he goes they'll probably only recognize what well, what song did mike say do you remember uh, it was it was probably i can't drive 55 but right but sammy hagar signed to geffen records in 1981 and that's when he put out the album standing hampton that had heavy metal uh i'll fall in love again and what was the oh there's only one way to rock that was that was kind right. of it there's only one. So that's when most people really discovered Sammy Hagar. Even though he, he'd been putting out solo stuff since the late 70s. Right. But uh, then Three Rock Box was the album after that. And I think you mentioned that that one before. Right. And then VOA, which had, in 1984, which had uh, I Can't Drive 55. And then in 1985, he joined Van Halen, David Lee Roth left. In 1985, right. Yes. Now, we had spoken about uh, uh, some of the songs that we know people would recognize but wouldn't realize they, they know. Now, what album was Remember the Heroes? Because that Three was... Three Lock Box. Three Lock Box. That was one of my favorite songs. Yeah, yeah. I, I got my hands on a uh, video. Back in the 80s, if you got your hands on a concert video, it was on a VHS and yeah, probably hijacked from somewhere and... Two or three recordings on YouTube now, and uh, and I, I saw this and uh, Sammy in concert. He had a really great band. The bass player was cool. Speaking of the bass oh, player, the, let's yeah. check this out. Speaking of the bass player, he was the bass player in Montrose, Bill Church. Yeah, he was really good. And he was and, he was the bass player during Sammy Hagar's uh, very uh, all the way up to 1985. Yeah, 
Well, anyway, I really enjoyed this song, Remember the Heroes. Uh, I, I got to go back and start listening to some of this stuff again. Oh, anyway. that little bass background. Da, 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 yeah. da, da. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we've, we've talked about Sammy uh, uh, with, or the solo. Uh, what would you say is your favorite uh, Sammy Hagar with Van Halen? Well, oddly enough, uh, I've, I've, I've been going back and listening to those, those, I guess, Van Hagar albums. They still call it Van Halen. Uh, the record company wanted to change their name, by the way, to Van Hagar, but they, none of the band and Sammy Hagar, they wanted to call it Van Halen. But anyway, uh, having said that, uh, I've been listening to those old, I like the, the keyboard songs, actually. like uh, He really sings great on, uh, on 5150. There was Dreams and uh, Love Walks In, which were keyboard oriented pop songs with great guitar solos and Sammy sings really good on those songs they're great songs yeah and the next album OU812 had When It's Love that was good and that's a great song too so weirdly enough the Hagar era Van Halen stuff I like the best for the, the keyboard songs which is which I don't care for the keyboard songs as much when they did them with uh with David Lee Roth. David came along around 1985 is when he left Van Halen and went out on his own. What song do you remember first? Because I remember Just a Gigolo, which is an yeah, old jazz. that was jazz before he actually left thing. Van Halen. Yeah, Louis Prima, and it was a medley of Just a Gigolo and I Ain't Got Nobody, Nobody, Nobody. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that is that a medley. He was still in Van Halen. And Ted Tippmann produced that. He wasn't planning. He didn't think it, David was going to leave Van Halen and who knows what was going on in David Ross head at the time I mean maybe he was thinking about it anyway but the first full length album was 1986 with Even and Smile when Ross got uh, Billy Sheehan on bass who's a you know monster on bass later and Mr. Big and of course Steve I on guitar so that had a lot of great musicianship and it had some rock and roll but it also had some of that stuff like just the Jitter Rose and that show tune stuff right. some of that was on was on Even and Smile also which yeah. I didn't care for as much as the rock and roll. But. Eat 'em and Smile was a great album. It had uh, uh, on guitar uh, Steve Vai. Billy Sheen on bass and Greg Bissonnette I'm, I'm on drums. Right on bass. I didn't know who the drum uh, the drummer was. And that was it. It was those three. Did they have a yeah. keyboard player? Yeah, they had a keyboard player who played on the record and tour, toured with him. But I don't know if he was. Uh, okay. Don't know who I that was. That, that four piece. Well, Yankee Rose was the one that they really pushed uh, on on MTV, which was strong yeah. at the time. Now, Steve Vai, his uh, guitar tone was way different than Eddie's. Eddie had more of a dark, yeah. uh, lowered mids, and and Steve Vai almost had a lot of highs, just short of sounding like a frying egg, you know. But yeah. <laughs> uh, but I did like the tone on uh, on. Uh, uh, I think we've discussed this before. My favorite song on that album was Ladies Night in Buffalo. Uh, yeah, that's a good one. We've also talked about before that, you know, when, when David Lee Roth come on the scene, he almost didn't make it as a singer because he was pitchy and, you know, he had a bad... Yeah. His, yeah, his personality... Yeah, talked about that. you, you got to know that guy's personality is really hard to... to and his lyrics and his songwriting were really clever. But, um, yeah, he had a... Right, he was like this outlaw kind of a guy. You start thinking about songs like... Uh, from Van Halen when they did uh, Mean Streets. Uh, what album was that? Uh, Fair Warning. Fair Warning was the, was the album, and Mean Streets was the album. And 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 you, you look at a lot of the song titles and a lot of the lyrics, and you just kind of think, you know, that's the state of mind that, that kids were in. That's a dark album. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and... Probably uh, why there wasn't a hit single for that album. Right. 
Uh, but anyway, uh, it was all really great music. Now, there was another album that came out uh, after Eat'em and Smile called A Little Ain't Enough. And you had well, mentioned... Skyscraper came out before that. Oh, well, I don't have that one. I didn't even know about that. Skyscraper, 1987, I think, or 88. That's pretty much going to do it for us with the uh, with the. Is there any more history about either one of those guys that you want to share? There's anything super I just want to mention the Montrose album. Anybody that likes the classic '70s hard rock, Zeppelinish, bluesy sound, check out that Montrose, just self-titled Montrose from 1973. It was Sammy Hagar's first album. It's got the songs "Rock Candy," "Rock the Nation," "Bad Motor Scooter," which I think was the first song Sammy Hagar wrote. He said, "I think." Uh, make it last it's just the whole album check that out absolutely that certainly covers the if you like this you're going to like that aspect of our show well thank you Steve yeah. I appreciate it so much man thank you for being uh, available for to, to help me with this and uh, you better brother I'm going to sign off and I will talk to you oh I'll talk to you this weekend we got a great weekend coming up so, oh yeah yeah alright brother talk to you later bye 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 <laughs> that is from uh, the bye bye is from I think Paul McCartney and Wings, something they did, some video thing they did. So we got to talk about that one day on the podcast. I need to know what that is. Okay, I want to talk a little bit about what we're doing this weekend. We've got a couple of gigs coming up that you just don't want to miss. We're going to be at Crazy Cajun this Thursday at 6.30. You don't want to miss it. We are going to dedicate this Thursday to Steve Ray Vaughan. We're going to try to play all the Steve Ray Vaughan that we always do as well as a little bit more Steve Ray Vaughan. And, of course, we'll always throw in the Cajun, Creole, blues, love songs. Please join us this Thursday. Then, also, you have to be aware that on Saturday, we are going to be at Brisket Love in Lindale, Texas. It's Halloween. It's uh, October 31st, and we're going to make it a disco-slash-Halloween night. So when you dress up for that night, dress up 70s if you like, or if you want to dress up scary and do the Halloween thing, do that. But be sure that you're there. Come as you are if you need to. Just wear pants because it's a family show. We're really looking forward to Saturday night. We're going to have all five Tuxedo Cats on the stage. Steve will be there. Mike will be there. Tim will be there. And Scotty will be there as well as yours truly. And we're going to have a blast playing disco and scary tunes for Halloween. So we'll see you Thursday at Crazy Cajun. And then we'll see you Saturday at Brisket Love in Lindale. Now, what we've got to talk about is um, the running of the bulls. Now, you know, I'm always wanting to bring in some sort of a sports uh, feature that is different. Steve and Mike know almost everything there is to know about baseball, football. I think Steve knows more football. Mike knows more baseball. But those guys both can talk for a long, long time about football and baseball. I've always wanted to bring in some things like extreme sports and have somebody please explain to me what fantasy football is and fantasy baseball, all those kind of things. And we're going to get around to those one of these days, maybe. But today... We're going to talk about the running of the bulls because this has got to be a lot of fun. Running of the bulls is always interested me, and I guess it's a sport. They consider it more of an art, but I'm talking about it anyway. Every year in early July, for nine days, they have this running of the bulls. This happens in Pamplona. 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 It's in Europe, okay? It's a festival of uh, Saint San Fermin, who was martyred. So everybody wears white clothes with with red sashes to uh, to symbolize this martyrdom of Saint uh, Saint Fermin. San Fermin. They go to great lengths to board up all the windows around uh, this path. The bulls are going to run 
It's amazing how they have built the city in preparation for this happening every July. Some of the some of the places seem to just pull down a garage door over their storefront. Some of them have big wide gates that just open up but they they board the whole entire place up they they get ready for this avenue that the, that the bulls are going to run and then when it's time for this to happen there is an an explosion um, which signals for the for the people to run afterwards there's a second explosion which means that the bulls have been let loose now let me say this just from the videos that i've seen the bulls are a whole lot faster than the people you think you could run fast you think you can run fast go do this um these bulls catch up with these folks really quickly now in my mind i always thought that this is just every year a bunch of people are getting trampled by bulls just completely and usually there are a few but in the last century only 15 people have been killed so you know it is a, it is a bit of a brutal thing but it's not as bad as i thought people just jump out of the way when the bulls are coming and if they actually get to touch a bull or feel his breath on the their neck or their legs they feel like it was a great day you know where i'm thinking something different um they do this thing they corral these bulls in a certain direction and they finally end up at the uh, arena uh, it, it is the pamplora arena pamplona and uh that is where the bullfights happen it starts off with the picadors and and these guys are on horseback and they're kind of picking the bulls i guess they weaken them to some degree to, to make it better odds for the uh, next two guys to come, which would then be the Banderillos. The Banderillos. Uh, they come in, and they end up getting a few darts stuck in the bulls, and all this seems to slow the bulls down so that the Matador, who is the rock star of the whole entire day, how, how is he the rock star of the whole entire day? He's had these guys punching and... They've run through the streets. They've been punched with the horses. Then they had this guy stick all this stuff in them. And then this matador rock star comes out and picks on them uh, with the cape and does all this thing. And he finally wins. And then if the fight is good, then the people will wave their red sashes, uh, signaling that they think that this matador needs to receive a trophy. If you want to know what the trophy is, ask me later. Uh, it's a pretty brutal podcast already, but <laughs> I always want to do something different. I always want to learn something new, and um, and so this time, uh, kind of sort of found a way to do that. Another thing that you would find really interesting is this was not as popular before 1923 when Hemingway visited uh, Pamplona and he wrote a book about the whole thing called The Sun Also Rises and since then this thing has become so popular that a million people show up for this every single year although families show up to to, to participate in this and uh, enjoy the celebration I would say the running of the bulls is not for the kids probably want to keep the kids out of that and I would also say the bullfighting is not for kids but I think you would be surprised at how young these people start training for this and doing this and how much they admire the whole entire ideal of being a matador uh, I, I don't know what we would compare it to uh, but uh, running of the bulls is something I've always been fascinated by and interested in and just wanted to know more I don't know that I'm ever going to go but you know it's kind of cool uh, anyway, thank you again for joining us on another episode of Rocks and Dirt. Please join us the next time when Steve and Mike will be here to say bye-bye. Yes.